everyone, and welcome to episode number two of Coffee and Issues. I'm joined with my co-host here, Michael Lejeune. Hey, Michael, how are you doing today? Doing good, Carl, man. How are you? All right. I'm doing great. Thank you for being with us today. Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be a good show. You know, we talked about this prior. I think the topic we're going to cover is going to help people a lot to figure out how to get some clarity around their first steps in the market. So, Absolutely. So if you, if you didn't watch episode one, I would recommend that you go back and watch episode one because we talked about the format of all of these episodes that we're doing. And ideally, what we want to do here is basically to line all of our episodes up in a sequential order of issues that government contractors are going to face as they go along their journey from getting started all the way to the end. So I'm guessing because there's a lot of issues in the government marketplace, we're going to probably have a lot of episodes to talk about. We're going to be going on for a long time. Right. So today we're going to talk about the issue of clarity. And this is like a a, a pre-launch issue, I would say, you know, in in terms of getting started, because I've worked with hundreds of of businesses directly over over my career. And I, I see a lot of folks don't have really clarity around a lot of areas. And and there's clarity issues as it relates to, hey, are you clear on who your market is? And, and that is a discussion that we're probably going to be having in the next episode in terms of like as we start talking about market research. But even before you begin, I think it's important to have clarity around what your ultimate destination is. And I like uh, Stephen Covey, you know, his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm-hmm. I like what he says when he says, begin with the end in mind. Yep. And I also think about my Navy days that's like, hey, if we're going on a, on a trip, if we're going on a destination, we know where we're going. And I believe the reason why that's important for anybody, any business, as it relates to government contracting is because government contracting becomes kind of like a sustainable fuel source to help you fuel your journey is the right. way that I look at it. How, how do you look at that issue, Mike, in terms of of just getting clear on ultimately, you know, where you want to go in business and and just getting clear on just the general nature of things pre-launch before you even make that first step into the government marketplace. Yeah. I I think it's super important because when you lack clarity, you often lack direction. And so you just kind of flounder around in your business. And so once you have clarity on the issues we're going to talk about today, it really allows you to use those decision points as a filter for future decisions that you're going to make. So do I go left? Do I go right? Do I focus here or there? Whatever it is, when you have clarity around all these little points, it just helps point you in the right direction. And for a lot of people, I don't know about you, but for a lot of people that I've talked to, and I again, talk to hundreds, if not thousands of business owners in the government market, this is often the first business they have ever personally owned. And I have yet to meet a business owner in my life that actually has training on how to be a business owner. Most of them have training in their niche. So if I'm cybersecurity or a plumber or whatever, I've got all kind of training on how to do cybersecurity, on how to be a plumber, on how to provide whatever product or service. I have little, if any, training on how to be a business owner. And so most people dive in, no clarity, and they just start swimming, right? And as they're doing that, they realize at some point they come up for air 
and realize I feel like I'm drowning because I don't know where I'm going. So, and you don't know where you're going because you don't have the training. You haven't thought through these processes and to take a step back now almost feels a little like failure for some folks, but it really is refreshing regardless of where you are in that stage, whether you're in the beginning or whether you're 20 years in the business to take a step back and make sure you know, well, where am I going? Why am I going there? What are the things I want to accomplish? I know you, one of the questions you threw out there this morning was, you know, what's my exit strategy? Things like that. People don't think about that. And then you just wake up one day and you make a hasty decision. So I think a lot of this will help people avoid a lot of the problems and headaches by just kind of thinking through some of this stuff. Again, regardless of what stage you're at. Absolutely. And, and talking about that exit strategy, I know there, there's probably a lot of people getting started being like, exit strategy, I don't even have an interest strategy yet, you know, and, <laughs> that's I, and right. I think that's important too. But like a note on the exit strategy and that every client that I have coached, well, not every client, but I, I had started doing this in the past couple of years is I ask, like, what is your exit strategy? Is it to sell your business? You know, maybe you want to basically just retire someday, but you want to put all the people in all the right places so that right. the business continues to be a financial asset to you. You know, other exit strategies include dying, <laughs> which is not a good one, you know, but yeah. it's so the ultimate important. exit it, strategy. <laughs> you know, I think about this. It's like, you know, especially for the business owners who whose families really rely upon their business to sustain them, you know, and um, you've got this one person that's so pivotal to the business. I really believe that everybody should be thinking about this. And then in the context of government contracting, you know, how does this come into play and what is your why? You know, why are you getting involved with government contracting? And I think for a lot of businesses, that why is different. But I think that when it boils down to it, growth is one thing, but diversification is another one. And as we talked about, like government market opportunities becomes kind of that sustainable fuel source. And I've seen it so many times when we've had bad economies or bad recessions where, you know, the economy was contracting, but the government was still spending money. And here we go again. You know, and it looks different this time around than it did back in, uh, you know, 2010 timeframe. But the government's getting ready to set another stimulus spending bill in play that's going to put a lot of money on top of that five to six hundred billion dollars of spend every year inside of the government marketplace. Yeah. What are you seeing on this, Mike, just in terms of, you know, that topic and, and just what people yeah. should be thinking about it as as the why, because I think sometimes people get involved for sometimes the wrong reasons. Yeah. And, you know, the number one reason that people get in the government that I come across, it's not the only one, but it's probably the, the biggest reason that I see is someone they know said, hey, you should sell to the government. I, that's literally why. And, and there's a lot of folks that are saying, okay, well, I've been in the commercial market, we're doing well, but I've heard if I get into government, it's stable, there's a lot of money, there's a lot of profit. And so when I'm often talking to people, I will ask a lot of questions around why they're trying to enter the market. What, what is it now? Why now is a question we ask a lot. And depending on the answer, I will often say, I wouldn't do this if I were you. 
Right. You know, this is if you are crushing it in the commercial industry and things are going really well, why do you want to do this? This may not be the right decision for you, but it, it's one of those things that it looks really attractive, but your business is already going really well. So why add this to the mix if you don't understand it? Or, hey, if we're going to jump in, let's set the expectations. You know, in, in the commercial market, your, your turnaround from prospect to sale is two weeks. It's not going to happen in the government market for the most part, depending on what you sell. And so I think they start to chase it because somebody said it was a good idea, whether they wanted to or not. And now they're kind of pursuing this thing called government contracting. And then a lot of people just don't know anything about it. So I really caution the why are you getting into it to make sure that those reasons are are good, valid reasons. And not only are you approaching the market with eyes wide open, but you've you've really got these expectations that are accurate. Um, Because again, there's so much misinformation around, well, hey, I'm a service disabled on veteran. I'm a woman. I can qualify for 8A or one of these things, money's just going to rain down from the heavens. And it's just not true. And so if we can help set their expectations, I think that helps a lot on the entry point. But again, that goes back into, so why are you getting in this? Oh, because I'm I'm a service disabled woman owned hub zone, whatever. And I think it'll be an easy market. Okay, let's back up for a minute. You know, but but yeah, I, I would say that those are probably the, the top reasons I see why people got in. Um, the other reasons that I see or people that have been in government or been in, I call it the military side of it. I know that's all government, but they've been in the military. They've been in government. They've grown to really love the industry and now they want to go do it on their own. And those are people that often have a lot of information about the market. They mm-hmm. kind of have an idea of how it works and what's going on. And it's just a, a love for the market, a love for the mission and those kind of things. And that really helps tie into their personal why. Like, hey, I'm on the planet to help solve this problem. And if I go down this rabbit hole here, this is going to help me on a personal level, on a business level, professional level. And it just, it helps them come out of the gate with, with again, just a little more clarity on how they're approaching the market. Absolutely. No. And you, you already put an answer to a question that I was going to ask you, which was, you know, because you got to make a go or no go decision. And that's part of the reason why clarity comes into that perspective when you kind of say, okay, here's where I want to go with my business. Here's where I'm going. You know, why do I want to do government contracting? But my, maybe why not? Why not? Um, right. Why should I not go? And that's what I wanted to ask you, like, what are some of the reasons why somebody should not go? And I think you've given one of the answers already, which I see a lot of people enter through this channel and through this why, which is, well, because you know, I'm, a, I'm a woman-owned business, I'm a veteran-owned business, I'm a minority-owned business. I think that that's the wrong reason why. And I've seen a lot of people go through like that, or yeah. I've seen a business that's out there that is going to try to set up a whole different entity. Maybe that they're just a regular small business, but they say, hey, we don't really have many advantages in this marketplace. So we're going to, you know, but my, I'm going to put 51% in my wife's name and we're going to go as a woman owned business, or we're going to create this separate entity. 
put, you know, yeah. my wife in charge or, or a, a veteran in char- charge. And, and then we're going to, that I think is the recipe for disaster. I've seen it a lot of times. And it, and if you're just getting started and you're, you're thinking about doing that, um, I really have you really reconsider because a certification is not really a value to the government. Yes, they right. like to award to those various entities that are out there, the small businesses, the woman-owned, service-disabled bed, hub zone, 8A companies, small disadvantaged businesses are getting a lot of attention right now because the current administration has a goal to increase utilization and contracting to small disadvantaged businesses by 50%. Um, But in essence, there's also a lot of competitors who have all of the certifications who are already out there. Right. So if really you're going in with that expectation that like, Hey, because I'm a service disabled veteran, their government has to set contracts aside for me. So once I get in, I should, shouldn't have a problem. You really got to go back to the core foundation of what you do and still have a core value that you bring because you will have good competitors, you know, that you're going to meet that have those certifications that's already going to be positioned. So yeah. you got to also think beyond that and, and really go back to what is the problem or the solution that you're going to solve for the government above and beyond what they're currently already doing. Yeah, I, I think the one of the worst decisions or one of the worst reasons to make this decision is I have the status, like you said. And people don't realize there are thousands and thousands of, of companies. Almost every single one of our clients has at least one, if not multiple statuses. Mm-hmm. All of them. I, I Off the top of my head, I cannot name a single client that doesn't at least qualify for the small business status. And so it's, it's just the way it is. Um, so most of them have something. And so I'd say that that's a, a really bad reason to, to pursue it. Um, you know, another one is if you don't have the time, you know, this, this number one, it, it's not a, hey, we're going to do this like a weekend real estate, right? You, you can't be weekend government contract contracting like that. So if you don't have the time to dedicate to it, and if you don't have the time to win your first contract, a lot of people get in and think, well, I just get on the website and I start bidding and I'll win some stuff. Probably not. It may take you anywhere from six to 12 months to win your first contract. Do you have that kind of time? If you don't have that kind of time to put forth the energy and, and make a go of this, then maybe right now is not the right time. And sometimes that's what I tell people. I'm not telling you no. What I'm telling you is maybe right now is not a good time. Yo, you just had a baby. You just quit your job and started the business. The business is going well, you know, and you're in the commercial space rocking and rolling. Maybe right now is not the time to add something new to your plate, right? Yeah. You know, go get a dog if you want to add something new to your plate. Don't go and add a whole new business line in here that you know nothing about because then you don't have the time to dedicate to it. And it's not going to go anywhere if you don't have the time to dedicate to it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I wanted to also, for those of you guys who are here that you may be already a contractor and been out there for a couple of years, you know, and you might think, hey, this is not relevant to me, but I really think it's relevant to everybody because I work with contractors who's been out there for years who 
really they're still they're doing good and, and they're getting some contracts, but then they're having issues because you know if a key person leaves their team, you know they wanting to retire here in a couple of years, but they have no no plan around how to do that. So the other clarity point and the benefit of having that, like you know, deciding now, like what your exit plan is, is that you'll have better direction on where you want to go and what you've got to do, but you're also going to get some benefit in knowing what not to do. And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, you heard about the shiny object syndrome, you know, and all of these things come into play and you're like, Ooh, I want to grab that. I want to grab that. And, you know, I know for myself personally, having clarity in my own business, and I didn't start out that way, you know, but, you know, over the years, I started doing these exercises where I put myself in terms of that begin with the end in mind strategy. And when I think about that, it really helps me say, I don't think that I want to do that right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the more clarity you have, the better filter you have. You can filter out the shiny objects when you have more clarity. And I'll tell you, here is what I see a lot of. So I do consultations with people every single week. And I would bet somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 to 600 companies, you know, go through my calendar every single year, five to 600 companies. And over the last 10 years, I have probably only talked to, I would say less than five in the last 10 years that I said, you know, so what's your plan? And boom, they email me a plan and it's a plan. It's got goals. It's got milestones. It's got, you know, all these things in it. So think about that five to 600 companies a year over the last just 10 years. I could go back further and and still get the same number, but over the last 10 years, so it's like 6,000 companies and I can name five that actually had a plan that said, Hey, we want to build this type of company. We eventually want to sell it this way. We eventually want our employees to own it. We eventually want to get to here. Here's our next milestone in revenue. Here are our goals for this year and all this stuff. And when I sit down with those companies, they would say, yeah, you know, at least once a year we sit down and we, we build out our plan. Yeah. Five companies out of like 6,000. And so most people, what does that tell you? Most people lack the clarity at even a quarterly or annual basis of where are we going? Mm -hmm. What are we trying to do? So when I think about clarity, long-term end in mind, where are we going? What are our goals? Are we going to sell it? Are we going to have my own, my son-in-law take this over? Cause he's also SDVOSB. Am I going to, you know, turn it over to the employees? What are we going to do? And then breaking it down based on those milestones of revenue, which is super important. Nobody ever wants to talk about that stuff. They're like, I want more revenue. Well, how do you quantify more revenue? One more dollar is more revenue. No, that's not what you wanted. So get the clarity on how much revenue, how do we increase the revenue, the strategies we're going to use. And that gets into some other things, but at the beginning of all of this, we're talking about clarity. And if you don't have that level of clarity in what you're doing, again, you're going to start swimming in this business and you're going to feel like you're drowning because you're out there going, well, I, I don't. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what my goals are. I don't know. 
who my target audience is. I don't know how to sell my product. I don't, I don't know what my product is. Maybe I've got six products on the shelf and only one of them is good for the government. I don't know because I, I haven't really thought through it. And so, the, again, the, the planning aspect of it is so big and it's very, very neglected by everybody. So you, you can shift the odds in your favor just by sitting down and saying, where do we want to go? How much money do we want to make? You know, what's our plan for the next six, 12 months? And you, you'll totally change the game for yourself. Absolutely, man. Th- those are great points. So, you know, we're kind of getting to the end and I want to I want to leave off with a couple of action items. And, and this is what I want to do at the end of every one of our episodes. Give an action item. I'll give like a one thing action item and, and I'll ask Michael to give a one thing action item that you guys can take away from here so that it's not just like we're listening to something here and good concepts, right? You know, so let's go ahead and and put an action item out there. Um, My action item is what I would suggest in terms of the clarity is just to sit down, take, take five, 10 minutes to just to think about really what you want your business to look like, uh, you know, five years, 10 years down the road and write that down. And, And then from there, you'll be able to start to better see where you want to go get your exit strategy there. You, you hear about it all the time, an exit plan, you know, put that down and what that plan might look like in, in five years, you're going to change maybe every year, you know, but maybe it'll be the same, you know, because you always have to come back and do that, that check-in. It's like a clarity check-in. Okay. Is that still really where I want to go? Is it still really where I want to go? And then like maybe the fourth year like that's not really where I want to go. So maybe you shift, you know, but at least you've got a direction on where you're going. And that's going to really, I, I believe the, the most important thing inside of this is it's going to sustain you because if you have the, the why connected to that end destination that puts you in the government marketplace and you know that the government marketplace is going to sustain you to get to that end goal, I believe that when it's going to get tough, which it will, and when you start getting frustrated, which you will, you're going to remember why you're doing this. It's to get you to a certain place. It's because the government's going to help to accelerate you once you get this thing figured out. And it's going to create a sustainable source of fuel for you. Mike, do you got one a one thing action item that they can yeah. take away and go out yeah. and, and implement that's going to help them with their clarity today? Yeah, you know, I think, by the way, I just want to say, you know, what you just told them is so important and it's easy to say, eh, it's not, a, you know, I don't need to do that. It's very important for you to do it because when you take and put the pen to paper and do what Carol just said, it does, it makes it real. It goes from in your imagination to this real thing and it really does help a lot of folks just to take that simple step. So, I want to say my action item is to do your action item, but I won't. Do All that. right. I won't, awesome. That I won't works. Piggy, that I won't works. piggyback on it though. Um, yeah. And say the, the other thing to do is to find out if there's a market for what you sell. Mm-hmm. And you, you do that. You either go look in Sam.gov or you go look in USAspending.gov. That's a great way to do it. And go look at the data. Be sure that there's a market for what you sell. And, well, the reason I bring that up is a lot of times people will come to me and they have this really obscure product or service. And I'm like, the government will buy it. This is an uphill battle. 
Do you, are you ready for the uphill battle? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they're geographically restricted. They're like, hey, I can sell this, but I can only sell it in Texas or Arkansas. And so if you go look at who's buying what you sell and put your restrictions around it to make sure that, hey, there's a mark, there's enough volume out there that you can do the business. And I think that'll help a lot of people because the worst thing you can do is sit down, you, you do Carol's step, you start doing some planning, you start going after it, and then you've not you know, looked at the data and realized that the government doesn't buy what you sell and you've invested a lot of time. So do Carol's step, then sit down, make sure the government buys what you sell. And it, again, it meets your criteria, whether it's geographic or whatever criteria that you have, because we want to make sure there's a market who's going to buy what you sell. We'll figure out who those individuals are and how to target them and all that in future episodes. Right now, we just want to know, do they buy what you sell? That's it. Yep. And I know we're going to be talking some more about that in in episode two, uh, as like you start to get started in this government marketplace and being like the first step is just to determine, you know, just what Michael was talking about. And before we leave today, Michael, I, I want to do like a one myth busting thing. Because I think that there's a lot of uh, perception out there on both sides. You know, sometimes uh, people will think that, like, well, it's just, this government marketplace is just really too big for me, you know, or there's no opportunity there, or it's not yeah. profitable. Well, that's probably three myths. I said one myth bust. But <laughs> what I wanted to, the point that I wanted to make here is that, you know, you know don't just look at being the prime, you know, there's also subcontracting opportunities that you can get involved with inside of the government marketplace. And, and as we go into future episodes, we'll talk more about this fit, you know, where do you fit? There's also, you know, some people jump in and they're like, I want that million dollar contract, but guess what? You can make a good business off of $10,000 independent small opportunities across the board, which oftentimes turn into bigger opportunities. Once that, person on the other side of the, the buying uh, transaction knows you, likes you, and trusts you. And so I know that a lot mm-hmm. of the experts in GovCon also recommend starting small. You know, there's yeah. a lot of small opportunities Start small. that are out there that's bite-sized for small, even micro-enterprise businesses, yeah. you know, that are out there. So Yeah, stuff they'll put on a credit card. You know, here's what I would say to that one. There's a place for everybody. There's a place for everybody. I don't care how big, how small your company is. There's a place for everybody. You just need to do a little bit of the research, a little bit of the homework, and then have laser focus in this, and you can win a contract. Anybody can do it. Yep. I can do it. Anybody can do it. I can guarantee you that. Yep. Well, Mike, I think that we covered that topic pretty well, and uh, I think we can go ahead and wrap up this episode. So we'll go ahead and close out. Do you have any any party words before we close? You know, the – one thing that I'll say is just take this in bite sizes. Mm-hmm. If you just take it in bite sizes, one episode at a time, the little action items, you will be impressed with yourself. If you just implement these little bitty things, one thing a week really adds up over the course of time. And so just take it in bite sizes. And I'll piggyback off of that, Mike. And I'll say, you know, bite sized and one step at a time, but make your steps consistent. Because mm-hmm. what I see a lot of times, too, is folks 
want to do government contracting, but then they get sidetracked with everything else, you know, and government yeah. contracting is like a nice thing, you right? Yeah. That's again, why clarity and your why and why you need to stay consistent, just like working out, right? You know, if we're That's not right. consistently working out, it'll take us forever to get to where we want to go. So consistent right. action. And I think that uh, those three things, you know, bite size, one step at a time and consistent action, but continuous continuously moving forward is going to get you there. Yeah. And uh, with that, I think that we're going to close up for today. And I would like to invite everybody to join us for episode two, where we're going to be talking more about this whole getting started phase. We're going to be talking about market research. Again, if you're even a seasoned contractor, I, I highly recommend that you stick with us through all the episodes because I walked with a lot of seasoned contractors who's essentially like went to step 10 and there's a lot of uh, things that they left on the table and steps one through 10, where if you go back and you shore up some of these things, you might find a better option for you. Sorry. You know, we talk with billion dollar companies all the time that aren't doing most of the fundamental things you should be doing. So everybody needs to go back to the basics sometimes. And there's, so many little tips and tricks and all the all the basics so all right well we're gonna go ahead and close today and so again i thank you for joining us if you want to join us next time uh, remember the url is gobology.com forward slash issues that's where you can uh, find all of our episodes uh, you can also uh, submit an issue for uh, future sessions and you can also register to be live with us uh, for our post-session q a so with that We'll go ahead and say goodbye and thank you for joining us.